It is Thursday, August 20th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy whose imminent trade rumors were completely fabricated for the amusement of others, J.P. Shedrick. And boy, was it hilarious. Welcome in. Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman. Jeff, good afternoon, bud. What's going on? All right. Good afternoon, J.P. It's a good day. The uh, the Jaguars got a good practice in and uh, yeah. all seems to be well and football seems to be going on. So far, so good, right? So far, so good. Let's continue that trend and get to the season and get through the season. That's a long way down the road, so we got a little bit of time before we get that far. Here's what's coming up on the show today. Well, you heard the intro there about the rumors. Ngakwe was the uh, topic of those rumors. Yesterday, we'll hear from Dave Caldwell coming up. He'll quash those rumors. Important stretch of camp coming up this week. This is really the heart of camp right now to figure out what this team is going to be. Defensive line, we've discussed some of the changes there over the last couple of weeks. And what's ahead, offensive installation continues. It was a good day for the wide receivers. And we'll go around the National Football League. Tony Baselli joins us at 4.30. Uh, Yesterday, Michael Lombardi of The Athletic tweeted that the trade of Yannick Ngakwe was imminent and could come yesterday or today. Well, it hasn't happened. And today, GM Dave Caldwell Visited with Sirius XM Radio after practice today, and he shut down those reports of an imminent trade of Unique Ngakwe. The unsubstantiated report really kind of caught me off guard, too. So I don't know where it came from or who it came from, but uh, if he's being traded, I wish somebody would let me know. Um, so, you know, obviously we've had discussions with teams, but there's, uh, as of uh, 1 o'clock today, uh, there that report was pretty erroneous. And I guess there was a couple others that followed up on that. So I don't know the person uh, that tweeted that, but um, obviously he didn't uh, pay very close attention to detail. Um, you know, obviously we're working with uh, the, the player and his agents, his new agents, and uh, trying to come to a good resolution for everybody. Well, uh, there's Dave Caldwell bringing a little bit of heat today on Sirius XM Radio. Erroneous reports, logs. What's new? <laughs> Well, I, I, look, I mean, everybody's going to try to throw something and, and up on the wall and see if it sticks, you know, just because it is a topic and it's going to be a topic until one of two things happens. Either Ngakwe is traded or he reports to camp and he plays for the Jaguars. But I think the interesting thing for me that I took away from what Caldwell said is that we've talked to teams or that we're talking to teams. I mean, look, th- that's the reality. I mean, anybody that thinks that the Jaguars – aren't talking to teams is crazy because they're going to talk to everybody and anybody that's willing to offer them something for Ngakwe because of the impasse that they have with the player. And uh, so I, I don't think it's anything news breaking. I don't think it's anything earth shattering. The only thing about the, that was erroneous about the report was that something was imminent. I mean, it's look, something may happen. It may not happen for another week. It may not happen at all. We don't know, but still, those things are going to exist until those one of two things happen. He either is in camp with the Jaguars and signs his franchise tender, or he is traded. And that part of him being in camp, you know, maybe the clouds have lifted a little. Nobody has been able to talk to Unique to, to figure out his mindset. But he's got a new agent, a new representative now. 
um, maybe that clears the air and things can come back down to normal. There's at least a chance of that happening with maybe the new representation logs. Well, I think there's always a chance of that when you change agents because you can lay a lot of blame on the previous agent for not directing you in a proper way. Uh, I think it was the best thing that Yannick could have possibly done was to fire his previous agent. The way that that whole thing was uh, kind of came about with Jan's comments on Twitter, Jan's comments on uh, in a public forum, all of those things were not the way that you want to conduct your business, even if you want to go somewhere else. Because a lot of the things that Jan did, actually, I thought, could have taken away from his value and his tradability. So smartly, Yannick was a smart guy, smartly fired his agent, and now he's got new representation. I don't know the reputation of his new agent, but anything has to be better than the previous one. And hopefully at some point, there can be some type of resolution to this, whether he's here or whether he's somewhere else in the Jaguars, get some type of good trade value for him. Well, as of today at 4.05 p.m. Eastern time, it's status quo on the Unique and Gakwe front, even after all the uh, news, quote-unquote, air quotes of the last day or so. Now, Logs, let's get to training camp. It's heating up. You know, this is a, a, an important stretch for this Jags team. Six consecutive practices starting today, and head coach Doug Marone knows this stretch is vital for his football team. We are getting into a week where – uh, you know, we, now we go six straight days until um, until the next day off. So uh, there's a lot of work ahead of us this week, and it's a big week. You know, it's a week that we've got to get you know a lot of situational work in. We've got to get a lot of high contact in. Um, you know, so it'll be a little bit of a push this week uh, as far as you know each and every day of getting better. Yeah, Logs, this is, this is where the rubber hits the road, if you will, in camp. They've had the ramp-up period in pads, but at some point you got to start putting in those situations. Today was really red zone heavy. You and I were both out there watching that. So it was a situation last year this team really struggled. They finished 31st in the league in red zone efficiency, and they made it an emphasis today. Well, I, I think that uh, anybody that's claiming that this is the tough stretch, I, I think that's probably a, going a little bit too far. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, training camp, if you compare this to training camps of old, and I'm not trying to be one of those old guys saying that, hey, look, way back when, when I played, it was so much harder. But training camps, certainly, especially with COVID and the effect that that's had on training camp, this is a, a much more milder training camp. So to say that six days in a row is demanding, I wouldn't quite say that it, it's, it's gone that far. Now, the training camps certainly are much more than what they, or the practices have been certainly much more than what they've been over the last two weeks, and that they've ramped it up. They're in pads. They're going a little bit longer. But, I mean, they're on the field for ballpark, you know, an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, and that's about it. And it's only one day on the field so i think players should be able to stay fresh and players should be able to avoid any kind of soft tissue muscle injury i think a lot of the 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 pounding that you take from the old training camps are not going to be there so i think it's a great setup it's a great situation i wish that the training camps had been like this for a longer period of time and i think the players should feel like that they have every chance to show what their best is 
because they're not demanding a lot out of these guys as far as two-a-day practices and full pads and everything else. So I think it's a comfortable pace, but yet it's a pace that I think that will get them ready for the regular season. Now, as far as today's practice, you know, yes, we were both out there today. I thought that today's practice was just okay. I think this team – what you would expect, though, JP, and what we expect, this team has a long way to go. This is a young football team that has a lot of unsettled positions and a lot of positions that have maybe even bigger question marks after the past week of events. So this team needs the reps, and they need to take advantage of every rep that they're allowed to have between the agreement between the NFL and the NFLPA. Are you trying to say, Logs, that you used to walk to training camp uphill both ways in the <laughs> snow? Is that what you're trying to say? No, I used to walk to training camp both ways uphill in like the Sahara Desert. It was 150 <laughs> degrees, didn't have shade, didn't have a water bottle. But, I mean, come on. I mean, these, these practices that they're having now, I mean, they're – and you've got, you got 80 guys. And so when you have 80 guys for a practice that is ballpark about an hour and a half, and, I mean, an hour and a half now, and a, and a lot of that hour and a half – is a lot of individual period. It's a lot of stretching. It's a lot of kind of walk-through coaching type stuff. So uh, this is – I wouldn't say that this is a highly demanding training camp or a highly demanding camp of, of any nature. I think, it's, I think it's just right, though. I mean, I, I'm of the opinion, JP, and, and I've been saying this for years, that the training camps of old were just archaic, and, and they didn't do anything to get teams, I think, and we got them ready for a season – but I think it also it detracted away from the player's health going into the season. I think that this is the way to do it, I think, all the time. And I hope that they can adopt some of the rules and changes going forward after this year because I like some of the rules that they have instituted this year. You uh, mentioned a moment ago that this team does have a long way to go, and I, I think I agree with you on that one. But there were some bright spots of practice today, and for me it was the wide receiver position. Now – there were a couple defensive backs out today. C.J. Henderson was under the weather with an illness. He was out. Ronnie Harrison's in the concussion protocol now. He was not available on the field today. But that said, there was some spectacular play by this Jaguars wide receiver core today, most notably, and as you would expect, D.J. Chark. He made a few great catches today, Logs, in traffic against the boundary, one on the sideline, one-handed, another in the back of the end zone for a touchdown in red zone, and he just showed you what he can do. But there were other guys that really stepped up too today in that wide receiver core. I thought that was a positive. Yeah, I, I thought that it was it was a really good performance by the wide receivers, and I think due in large part because the play of the quarterbacks wasn't great today. I thought there were some balls that weren't very accurate, and the, and the receivers really had to go and get it and make spectacular plays because the placement of the ball wasn't particularly good. You mentioned D.J. Chark. I think D.J.'s continuing to look marvelous. I think he's having a tremendous training camp. And it's about what you would expect out of D.J. Chark. Now, the one play that you're talking about where he was in the end zone, he probably got away with a little bit of a push-off on that play. But nonetheless, the officials aren't out there. It wasn't called. Uh, but Colin Johnson, I thought, also had a really productive day. I mean, you're talking about a drafted rookie that has a tremendous size. He's, what, six foot six, 220-plus yeah. pounds. And so when you're talking about a wide receiver of that stature, when you get to the red zone, you expect him to excel, to be able to take advantage of the size advantage that he presents in matchups. 
And I thought he did just that today. And that's what the Jaguars, I think, were expecting when they drafted him. I uh, thought he had a really strong day. Uh, Chenault continues to have really strong practices day in and day out. But I think he will really shine when the pads come on because he's so physical. And he's one of those guys that can catch the ball underneath and then really use his physical power to make plays and make things happen after the catch. But, yeah, I think overall, very productive day for the wide receivers. But on the flip side of that, J.P., very concerned about the tight end position, though. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot of changes there, Logs, of course. Eifert's out there, but Oliver is done for the year. He's put on injured reserve today. O'Shaughnessy's coming off a knee injury. He still has the brace running around out there. So it's not uh, what it was just really only a few days ago when they had, for the first time in a long time, their full complement of tight ends. That's no longer the case. Yeah, losing Josh Oliver to IR, I mean, look, anytime you're talking about a broken foot or a broken bone in the foot, that's one of the hardest things, I think. An injury of the foot is very difficult to overcome because how do you how do you rest it? I mean, how do you get off your feet to allow things to heal? And then you've got to work your way back slowly because you can't, like, put only 10% of the weight on the foot. I mean, like, if you're rehabbing an arm, okay, okay, we're going to start out at 10%. Well, when you step on your feet, you're carrying your full body weight, so it's hard to recover from a foot injury. But that's a tremendous loss. And Tyler Eifert is a guy who they got in free agency, and, and we all know that he has a history of not being able to stay healthy, even though last year he was able to stay healthy. But that's one of the few years that he's been able to do that in recent memory. And so now you look at the depth that the Jaguars have at the tight end position. Okay, well, how about James O'Shaughnessy? Well, he's coming back from an ACL. And there were a couple points in practice today that I really saw James O'Shaughnessy, I don't want to say limping, but he was favoring that leg and not wanting to use it in a power position, which is typical. Guys that are coming back from an ACL, it takes time for them to get back to being 100%. And I think it's going to take him even more time. And uh, there were some uh, drills that uh, he just chose not to participate in or just said, hey, I need a break here from the, the look of things. And then once you get past him, now you're talking about just a couple guys that are, are young. Uh, Charles Jones is a second-year tight end that they like his blocking ability. And then you're talking about two rookies, one from Georgia Tech, a draft pick, and uh, another rookie that seems to be a little bit more athletic out of, I think it's Central Florida. So, I mean, this is a young group, and it's a group that has a lot of questions. And then even with just one injury, it becomes even a, a bigger question mark. Plenty ahead. We're going to come back in a moment. We'll uh, get into the quarterback play a little bit. We'll hear from Gardner Minshew. He visited with Sirius XM Radio after practice today. The audio today, courtesy of Sirius XM Radio. A little later, we'll get onto the defensive side of the football and get into that defensive line and hear from Josh Allen. Tony Baselli is set to join us at 4.30 today. Bono's Pit Barbecue is showing support for frontline heroes by creating a Feed the Frontline campaign. Help support our local doctors, nurses, and hospital workers by donating meals to honor their brave and dedicated efforts during this difficult time. Call 332-7427 and donate today. We're off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.
Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's handmade vodka distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Dreamfinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 40 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. Dreamfinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the high 100s and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization, that's the Dreamfinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at dreamfindershomes.com. Dreamfinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to change without notice equal housing opportunity jaguars fans whether it's on the field or in your finances the key to success is a solid plan from high yield banking to home lending into retirement and beyond tiaa bank offers solutions that can help you achieve your goals and make the most of your money it's time for a plan start building your legacy today at tiaabank.com jaguars tiaa bank is a division of tiaa fsb member fdic Equal Housing Lender and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hey Jacksonville, this is Joe Adib from Bonos. I just want to let you know that we have now reopened all of our dining rooms. We appreciate all the love that you have showed us during this crisis. For over 71 years, we have been here for you through good times and bad. Our award-winning barbecue and our unbelievable staff look forward to seeing you soon. Be safe. Committed to the team. Committed to the mission. At Navy Mutual, we're committed to providing high-quality life insurance to members of the military and their families. So our policies have no fine print and no military service restrictions. We don't work on commission. We're nonprofit, so we pass the savings along to our members. Because at Navy Mutual, our highest commitment is to you. Visit NavyMutual.org. Navy Mutual. Ensuring those who serve. At ViStar, we believe in better. Better convenience. So members can bank any way they want. Whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. We're still in We got a long way to go, but uh, I'm excited about the guys. First of all, you got to have guys that are willing to learn and willing to work, and I feel like. Uh, the mentality of this football team. Coach Marone does a great job of setting the tone for this team, and, and these guys have come in, and uh, they don't act like they know it all or I've done that, blah, blah, blah. They, they're willing to learn and do things the way we want to do things now. Jaguars offensive coordinator last week, in fact, discussing how far along they were in installing this offense. And welcome back to Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick. With Jeff Lagerman, Tony Buscelli's coming up uh, in about uh, 10 minutes or so. 
And then at the top of the hour, at 5 o'clock on the Jaguars radio network, the Doug Marone Show. The head coach will join us at about 5.20 today. So stick around there here on 1010 AM in Jacksonville, at Jaguars on social and jaguars.com. Yeah, you know, Logs, this it's an interesting dynamic here, obviously. We've talked about this before, but it's worth noting again. It's a new offense. They haven't been on the field at all in the offseason. And they've come to camp with a ramp-up period. They truly have 11 full padded practices lengthwise, right? They've got 14 on the schedule, but there's a ramp-up. And I think the ramp-up ended today. They start the full-time tomorrow. So that's all they have to really install this offense. So there has to be a limit to what you get in. You get the most important things in first, right? That's That's how you have to approach this thing. Yeah, the, the meat and potatoes and JP, I mean, when you're talking about uh, Jay Gruden talking about them being in diapers, I mean, we're still in diapers. We're still learning about this football team. And, you know, here's my little little depth chart that I put together every year. And, and I'm so in diapers that I talked about Ben Ellison, the tight end, one of the rookies, as being from Central Florida. I, I cannot, I cannot go let that slide. That's a North Dakota State guy. There's a lot of oh, NBA, bison. No, North Dakota State guys out there that would take great offense if I didn't get that right. But so we're learning the football team. The players are learning the offensive system. It's all part of the ramp-up period. But the amazing thing is, is that if, the, if this were a normal year, we would have been past the first preseason game already. And it's just kind of odd that we haven't seen anything even close to that or a scrimmage uh, so far in training camp. Well, the offensive coordinator, Jay Gruden, will have to lean on a second-year quarterback in Gardner Minshew, who they're trying to develop all at the same time into a guy that can be a franchise-type guy. That's the plan, at least. Well, Gardner Minshew today met with Sirius XM Radio. And not only is Gruden here, but Ben McAdoo is here now as well, the former head coach of the New York Giants. He's the quarterback's coach now for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's working with Minshew every day. And, of course, Gardner also spent some time down in Naples this offseason. Coach McAdoo, he's, he's been awesome, man. He's, he's been out of the game for a little bit, so he was so excited to get back, and I was so excited to work for him and learn from him. Um, you know, he's been around some great guys, and I love just, you know, kind of picking his brain. He's, he's going to help, help me a lot, you know, whether it's footwork, decision-making, uh, ball security, all that. He brings a lot of great experience to our room. Uh, and then with Coach Tumbrello down in Naples, um, it's something I, I go do in the offseason with uh, Michael Walker, one of our receivers here. Um, we go down and train with him. Uh, first off, getting faster with him. I think he's one of the great, you know, you know better speed guys I've ever worked with. Um, and then doing it whatever I can to get my arm as strong as possible. Um, you know, I realize I'm never probably going to have a plus arm in this league, but there's things I can do to get better. And uh, I feel like I have this offseason. Gardner Minshew, that's uh, our audio courtesy of Sirius XM Radio. So, you know, obviously we've talked about Gardner doing the right things in the offseason, going down to his side coach down there to get some things right. You know, and it's interesting at the end there, he talked about, you know, he may not have a plus arm in this league, but there are things he can do. What can he do to improve that arm strength? Well, I think, I think there's a lot of things he can do. And I, I think when it comes to Gardner, because he doesn't have that quote-unquote plus arm or great arm, the anticipation has to be there. The thorough understanding of the offense has to be there. 
and a great understanding of defense so that that allows you to have that anticipation. You know, Chad Pennington had a very successful career in the National Football League for quite some time. And he might have had the worst arm in the NFL in half a century. <laughs> I'm, I'm not joking now. I mean, his arm, we used to call him the lollipop guy. Because literally when he would throw, the ball had so much arc on it, it was like traveling around the circle of a lollipop. I mean, he was that weak. So if he can have success in this league, then Gardner Minshew can have success because his arm isn't like that. It's better than that. But there's definitely some things that he's going to have to be able to be good at. You know, his height gives him a little bit of a disadvantage. So he's going to have to be able to function in the pocket, find open windows, to find the vision, to anticipate routes, to anticipate changes in defense. You know, Tom Brady is obviously the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. And one of the things that makes him great is his mind. When Tom Brady gets to the line of scrimmage, and he's got a progression of, let's say, five guys, J.P., when the, by the time he gets the snap, he has already gone through his first and second progression when the ball hits his hand under center. And then he's already working to number three, four, and five when, once he's got the ball in his hand. And that allows him to have great decision-making. So Gardner Minshew needs to find a way to have the mental aspect of the game down to allow maybe some shortcomings that he has physically, but allow to cover up for them and to allow this offense to function at the best of its ability. Like today, for example, JP, we watched him today. He wasn't extremely sharp today. Some of the placements, the ball placements of the balls. If you don't have a great arm, okay, that you can wing it in there, then you need to be able to put it in the position so that your offensive receiver can catch the ball and then get his body turned heading north and south as quickly as possible. Something that he could have done a better job of today. Also the accuracy thing. So. Uh, all of those things are things that he's going to continue to work on, and it's very early in training camp, and I'm not down on him whatsoever. I'm just saying that he's just like a lot of the other players on this roster. He's young, and he's got things to work on. All right, let's come back. We'll flip it around to the defensive side, and uh, Tony Baselli will join us as well, former Jaguars left tackle. You might have heard of him. Um, we're back in a moment. We're about halfway home. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com. Jaguars fans, here's a great way to pay with pride wherever you go. Exclusively from TIAA Bank, the Jacksonville Jaguars Visa Debit Card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features, along with the convenience to make purchases online or at millions of locations worldwide. And it's yours, free, when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Order yours today. Visit TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. When America needed us to build, we built. Masks, ventilators, shields. When local communities and frontliners needed support, Ford dealers answered. And now we're open and ready to serve you. 
with special offers and deals across the Ford lineup. Stop by a Ford dealership or go online. We've made it safer to shop, easier to buy. Built for America. Built Ford Proud. Pinpoint, the official signage partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, helps business decision makers like you maximize the impact of their brand. Your company's identification, advertising, and even the words you use make an impression on your clients. With Pinpoint as your coach, you can make sure it's a good impression. Pinpoint provides the creative design and production services for anything you need to enhance your brand, from custom signage to complete marketing solutions. Step up your game with Pinpoint and create the ultimate brand experience for your clients. Visit experiencepinpoint.com. DreamFinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 40 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. DreamFinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the high 100s and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization. That's the DreamFinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at dreamfindershomes.com. DreamFinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to without notice equal housing opportunity at tropical smoothie cafe one taste and you're hitting refresh now palm trees swaying now letting loose now busting a move now cranking up the beats now hands in the air now feeling free now you're on tropic time now and right now at tropical smoothie cafe try our watermelon mojito and guava margarita smoothies and you're tasting fruity now sipping sunshine now toasting summer now you're on Tropic Time now at Tropical Smoothie Cafe. I feel more of a, a NFL player. You know, last year I kind of felt like I was kind of in and out of you know, thoughts and mindset, thinking too much, not, you know, not thinking too much about certain things. And then now is I'm seeing information and I'm seeing what play we in and why they call that play. And now I get to react on that. So just starting to learn the game a lot more. Josh Allen today on Sirius XM NFL Radio. Our thanks to those guys for the audio. And welcome back, Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. Tony Baselli joins us from another undisclosed location. You are on a streak of undisclosed locations, Tony. Where is this one? Uh, it's none of your business, JP. <laughs> no, I'm actually in, I'm, at, I'm at home right now, uh, so I'm sitting at the house. Oh well, it's nice to uh, be. It's home. not as exciting. Well, glad to have you exciting. here. Yeah, it's not as exciting as the yeah, undisclosed the, uh, site that I was at last week, the all-white room. Yeah, last time – yeah, Logs, last Monday we had uh, Tony in an undisclosed location. It's one of those CIA things where you couldn't see anything on the walls. And, but all of a sudden here comes the waitress in to bring him a cup of coffee in the middle of the show. What in the world? <laughs> it was a nice It was a nice undisclosed site. The nicest I've ever heard of. Uh, we just heard from Josh Allen there, of course, and you got to love his mindset. Um, Logs, you and I were at practice today just talking about how he looks. First of all, he looks uh, a little different than last year just to the eye, 
But hearing him, Tony, you know this guy's locked. Yeah, a lot, right? Um, Tony, this guy's locked yeah. in, and he's a guy you can really build around on the defensive side. Well, I think as you look at this defense and this whole team, actually, you, you, you kind of want to ask yourself, where are the playmakers? Where are the difference makers who can take over a game? And I think Josh Allen's one of those. I mean, watching the game tape, or I should say the practice tape, uh, kind of going through some of the stuff that they've been doing, some one-on-ones I was watching, some team drills and everything else. Uh, he does look different. Um, he actually looks much more polished already early, Jeff, in his pass rush moves and what he's doing, some one-arm presses, using his hands, getting on the edge. Uh, and even watching him in the uh, run drills, the team run drills that they're having, uh, he's a powerful guy. I mean, I think he has all the components to be a great player. I mean, like, not just a guy who can rush the passer and get double-digit sacks, which he's already proven, but literally one of those guys that you don't want off the field. That's uh, every down player um, that can change the game. Uh, and uh, I think we thought that we had that last year when we drafted him. And then after his rookie year where he really only played about 45% of the snaps, maybe 50 and in, in put up the numbers he did. Um, I'm looking for a big year out of Josh Allen. Yeah, he's uh, an absolute stud and had a conversation with him today and was talking about some of his pass rush moves. Cause I thought last year, you know, he got double digit sacks, but he got most of them just by being an athlete. And so I think it's very apparent that he's learning how to be a pass rusher and he's refined his body. For example, last year he probably weighed close to 270. This year he's down around 250 pounds. He looks great. He said he feels great. He feels fast. And he, I can tell you he looks fast and he looks great. And then tonight, JP, just a little plug here, on Jaguars All Access, our first TV show of the season, going to the film room and actually – going to be breaking down some of these pass rush moves that Josh Allen has discovered. And we'll look back on <clears throat> some of the one-on-one pass rushes that he had from Monday and Tuesday this week and show some of the folks how his moves have become a little top level. And, and Tony, you remember probably growing up watching the great Ricky Jackson, who was he's a Hall of Famer, played for the New Orleans Saints. He was a left side out, left outside pass rusher, Pat Swilling, was on the opposite side and Ricky had this power inside arm move and he could just take a 300 plus pound offensive tackle back into the lap of the quarterback. Josh has found that. He did that to Jawan Taylor on Tuesday's Tuesday. practice and I was, was like, Tuesday. what? I mean, it was tremendous. I mean, what a great rush. So uh, looking forward to tonight's first Jaguars All Access and then also looking forward to watching a great player this year and Josh Allen. Now, the question around him, there's many of them, and, and that's that's a cause for a lot of concern, J.P. No doubt well, about that, pick, Logs. And, and J.P., let me, let me pick up on that real quick, what Logs just said, is, is because if you want to be a great pass rusher and put up the big numbers that we're talking about, Jeff, you have to get in second and long or third and long. And I think the unknown, or the question, it's going to be interesting to see, is can this team stop the run? Can they create those long down down and distance situations and that allow Josh Allen to highlight uh, who he is? Yeah, the all the changes on the interior of this defensive line the last couple of weeks. You know, there's still the front line guys there, Avery, Taven, Bryan, those kind of names that you're going to see. But, you know, they like to, to rotate those guys in. And, you know, that at least so far is just a little, not a little, it's a lot unknown right now who those guys are going to be in the next couple of weeks, Logs. 
Well, let, let, me, let me kind of circle back on your comment there. And you said, hey, the frontline guys are still there and Avery Jones and Taven Bryan. I would argue that they weren't going to be the frontline guys. Uh, really? I think we have a, a nose tackle that opted out that probably was going to be your best nose tackle. You had Ronnie Gunner, who, because of a heart condition, has had to walk away from the game, and they gave an $18 million contract to. Uh, that tells me that he was going to be your guy, and, and I think his level of performance with the Cardinals last year was better than that of what Taven Bryan was able to produce for the Jaguars. So, you know, when you're talking about taking away frontline guys, and I understand that, look, you know, you've got some depth with Taven and you've got some depth with Avery, but look, I mean, last year with those guys, you had an issue stopping the run. You know, so that's why they went out and they looked and tried to find a couple guys to fortify that defensive front. So it definitely hurts this football team by losing a couple guys of that stature. Okay, so now the question is, what do you have that's next? What do you have that's available to step up? Look, I like the acquisition of Timmy Jernigan. I think he's a good football player, but it would have been nice to have him on top of, you know, some other guys that you were able to acquire. And I think when you start to look at depth at the other defensive end position, I think Smoot's a good football player. He's been depth in the past. Now he's expected to be that guy. Well, what do you have next? Is Gotsis able to step up? You know, I mean, right now, from what I'm seeing out of Gotsis, is he's, he's a guy, or I see a guy that, that looks like he's kind of carrying a bad knee. So there's a lot of questions with this defensive front, and I think it's going to continue on until we get to the regular season where we can actually see some answers. Yeah, um, it's, it's going to continue. Certainly the next week will be key to see who emerges from that group. You know, today we're, we're staying on the defensive line here. Caleb on Chason uh, had his first day on the field. He was off to the side at the start of camp with a, a hamstring ailment, but he started to work his way back in today. Uh, quickly, Logs, what did you see out of Caleb on today? First day out. Well, f first and foremost, the eye test, I was looking at him, I was going, Wow, look how big his legs are. I mean, he literally, his legs look big. And uh, I remember watching his tape at LSU. I didn't see that big of a guy. So I don't know if he maybe gained a little bit of weight or something, but he's a little bit more heavy, heavy at the bottom end. Uh, but he's sudden. He looks powerful. I think he's going to give them some great depth to go with Josh on base downs and then also going to give them a really nice outside rusher opposite of Josh, obviously, unless the Ngakwe situation is able to be rectified. So I like him. I like this college tape. I think it's a great acquisition, but, you know, he's a young guy that needs these reps, and he's missed some time already, and he needs to make up for some lost time. Yeah, and Jeff, right. the interesting uh, thing put... is if you, if you watched him at LSU, as I know you did and I did, is while he didn't look as big as – he looked on the field today. I just saw the uh, videos and I'll watch the uh, practice tape later t uh, tonight is he was a powerful individual. If you watch them play of, and how it, the physicality he played with at LSU running around all over the place. And he was actually pretty good at stacking the end of the line of scrimmage. And I think what he gives you, and if you look at the body type of Josh Allen, we talked about him and not taking any shots in Gakwe because in is a great pass rusher. I mean, we all know that. Um, the question is he's also a smaller individual, especially on the lower half, and he has to kind of play uh, make you miss in the run game to be effective, um, which guys have been able to do that. If you look at Chase Ong, he's another guy that you feel real comfortable lining up 
and be either on the open end and be able to stack that tackle and play physical through the tackle's neck and definitely against the tight end. I mean, he is a powerful human being that is thick, uh, some thickness to him um, that's going to be able to play the run game effectively as well. All right, guys, let's stay in the trenches here and for a few minutes. Tony, you're with us, obviously, so let's talk offensive line here. Doug Marone spoke I, uh, today I earlier. I am here, JP. Thank you. Thank you. And in case you're joining us for the first time, Tony Baselli is a noted left tackle in league history. Yes. Just Thank ask you, him. JP. He'll tell you. So uh, <laughs> Doug Marone today has <laughs> talked about the offensive line and how – and. You know, he doesn't want to heap praise yet, but he, he kind of did today, again, on this group as a whole, talking about how they've improved their strength, their athleticism. Technically, they're a little better, at least in the early parts of camp here. Tony, I know you've watched some of the tapes so far. I know it's, you know, pajamas a lot of the time and pads only a few parts here, but they're confident in this group up front. Um, yeah, I, I heard the comment. He says they look better than they did at the end of last year. Um, and now he's watching the tape closer than I am, and, and he's seen them throughout the entire time. Of the tape I've seen, it didn't stand out to me. Like, I didn't turn on the tape in 11-on-11 11 11 drills and see, like, in the run game with them just dominating. Um, did I see some good stuff, some bad stuff? Yeah, but I think that's consistent with what we've saw, seen in the past, Jeff, during training camp, especially early. So I think it's way too early. I mean, I, listen, I love that you have a head coach who's uh, pumping his guys up and is uh, trying to get the most out of them and, and being positive. There's no reason not to be this time of year. But for me, man, the proof is going to be in the pudding. I want to see, you know, it's going to be really um, an unproven uh, commodity across the board for this team until you get to opening day. Because with no preseason and no live action, um, to, to speak of, uh, it's going to be interesting to me. And listen, I've gotten it wrong in the past. Jeff and I got it wrong in 17 where we thought this was an offensive line that was going to struggle and they ended up leading the league in rushing. Um, and I thought they'd be better than they were last year and they struggled quite a bit. So it'll be real interesting to watch and see. Um, you know, it's pretty much, not pretty much, it is the same group that we saw all of last year. And so what you're hoping is that what Doug is saying is accurate, that they've gotten stronger. I'm not sure how you get more athletic if you get older, um, but maybe you get stronger. Um, but the technique, especially for some of the guys, and I'll speak directly to Cam Robinson um, with his footwork. I did watch him in one-on-one. It does look like he's worked on it, and there is some improvement. Uh, and so I'm hopeful, but we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, Logs, that's one of those where you got to go see it under the lights to, to really check it yeah, out against well, another well, opponent. Well, let me add this. First off, this team needs the offensive line to take a step up. I mean, because you're talking about a defense that's going through a lot of changes. You're talking about a young quarterback. I mean, it's probably the most important position group for this football team this year, I think. You know, the interesting thing, too, is that I don't know if you guys saw in the, in the video stuff that we're watching, these guys, and a lot of people are probably wondering and looking at the video going, what is that? The players and most of the, the offensive linemen uh, are wearing it. It's like a padded exterior to the helmet that they wear. And if you go back to the uh, great Buffalo Bills teams when they went to four Super Bowls and they weren't able to win one of them, they had a safety slash special teamer by the name of Mark Kelso. Uh, there was also a couple other players in the league 
there was a lineman for the San Francisco 49ers that wore it. Was, it's like a pad on the exterior of the helmet. And the offensive linemen, a lot of them are wearing this in practice. And it, I guess it's supposed to cut down on concussions or the, uh, the pounding that these guys take. But it's kind of interesting watching the video footage and you see these guys. And for all you Flintstone fans out there, they look like kazoo. You know, the big, it makes their heads look like they're giant, you know, kind of out of proportion there a little bit. Well, I will say it is part of a league case study. They are working on um, two different types of these outer padded shell things for helmets to, for, the, for the low impact contact. So it's, it's a continuation of a study that's been going on off the field. Now they're bringing it onto the practice field, at least. It will not be used in games this year. Um, but the way I understand it, they're just trying it out. A couple of different models here. And uh, I, I don't think this is the only team doing it. There are some other teams trying them out as well. So a good time to, to try that out as uh, always is here on the hey, practice field. Hey, let's come. Jeff, yeah. would, you wear, yes. would you wear one, Jeff? Me? Uh, uh, when I was in my tw early 20s, no. But would I wear one now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would. I mean, you know me. I have the small pads. I like to wear it as little as possible. On the football field, but well, your head looked big it, enough I, as it was already. <laughs> yeah, my head—I had a huge helmet, thick skull. Um, I think I'd have been okay. They would need a custom size for Tony. Uh, let's come back. We'll uh, touch on some penalty talk. Doug Marone asked about that earlier today, and we'll go around the National Football League as well. We're uh, down the final stretch. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com. Superior Fence and Rail knows about commercial fence services. From automatic gates to security fence and railing, Superior Fence and Rail's professional team delivers with great communication, trained installers, and quality products. Trust your next commercial project with a top-rated fence company in Jacksonville. Get off the fence and call Superior Fence and Rail for your commercial project today. SuperiorFenceAndRail.com Jaguars fans, whether it's on the field or in your finances, the key to success is a solid plan. From high-yield banking to home lending, into retirement and beyond, TIAA Bank offers solutions that can help you achieve your goals and make the most of your money. It's time for a plan. Start building your legacy today at TIAABank.com slash Jaguars. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, member FDIC, equal housing lender and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. In Florida, bicyclists have the same rights and responsibilities as everyone else on the road. So when you ride, follow the rules. Always wear a helmet and use lights on your bike. And drivers, watch for cyclists. Give them space to ride. And don't forget when making that right on red, look to your right first to see if a cyclist is approaching in the bike lane. We all have a responsibility to keep ourselves and each other safe. Alert today, alive tomorrow. Because safety doesn't happen by accident. This message brought to you by the Florida Department of Transportation. 
At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates. Saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. When America needed us to build, we built. Masks, ventilators, shields. When local communities and frontliners needed support, Ford dealers answered. And now we're open and ready to serve you with special offers and deals across the Ford lineup. Stop by a Ford dealership or go online. We've made it safer to shop, easier to buy. Built for America. Built Ford Proud. aren't doing really that that type of training or on the field so you know, I keep telling the players I'm, I'm really concerned about that uh, that and I want to make sure and now because of the tiers uh, on what we can have here we used to always have the officials at practice you know where we can keep an eye on that well we don't have them because you know we can't afford to bring in tier one people you know that just are going to do practice so um, we as coaches have been on it you know quite a bit Head coach Doug Marone earlier today before practice asking about penalties and the uh, approach this season in training camp. Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Tony Baselli, And uh, we all know that uh, this team was penalized a good bit last year, certainly on the offensive line. So, you know, he made the point today, Tony, that sometimes good teams – get penalized a lot and can go to the Super Bowl. And, but they are good enough in different areas to overcome penalties. If you have to really work to overcome the penalties and then you can't, that's when it can pile up on top of you. Not that you want the penalties to begin with. I get that. The technique and everything has to be right so you avoid some of those. But that's a big difference, especially for a, a young Jaguars football team like this one. It's going to be difficult yeah. to overcome a lot of those penalties. Yeah, there's not always a direct cor uh, correlation between penalties and the teams that make the playoffs or miss the playoffs. That's for sure. I think that's what you're alluding to, JP, and you're right. Um, however, uh, I don't think this team's explosive enough on the offense to overcome. Uh, it's going to be more difficult for them to overcome long down and distance, or if they get, if they get behind the chains, um, they need things to be. They need to be working downhill, meaning positive down and distance, which penalties really take you out of. Um, and defensively, listen. You know, giving up easy yardage when it's a team that hasn't made a ton of changes defensively. If you really look at it, I mean, they added Joe Schobert to that front seven. Other than that, is it in, in uh, uh, Chase on? It's a lot of the same people. Um, and actually losing Calais and Marcel Darius, who was there for the first half. And this is a defense that struggled to stop the run last year. And they gave up chunk yardage and they gave up a big plays. So, you, so what I'm saying, their margin for error is really – a lot smaller than other teams. And so you can't uh, impact that and help other teams out and uh, be a hi highly penalized team. I, I think penalties are, are, first of all, you got to kind of break them into two different categories to sit there and say, okay, well, we got to eliminate this 
these types and we got to make sure that we are aware of these other types. The mental penalties you got to eliminate, whether that be false starts, delay of games, things that you can control with just your mind. The physical penalties, hey look, if you grab a guy's face mask when you're flying 100 miles an hour and trying to make a tackle and your hand gets his face mask by accident, that happens. You know, so I think as a, as a coach, I'm sure that Doug wants to eliminate all those ones that you call the mental penalties and the aggressive penalties, look, you just try to have a little bit more awareness and try to prevent them. But definitely as an offense, and those are the mental penalties I think you talk a lot about. Now, a defense mental penalty, a perfect example of that might be lining up in the neutral zone if you're a defensive lineman or if you're a cornerback. But offensively, you've got to make sure that you don't have any of those mental busts because that, to me, that's what they are. They're mental busts. They're not just penalties. They're mental. Where would you categorize, like, late hits, personal fouls, that type of thing, Logs? To me, that, uh, that's like airs. just being totally unaware. <laughs> yeah. Undisciplined. Unforced yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, there's no excuse for that. I mean, that, that's a mental penalty, but it goes beyond it. You know, and there was a great running back who played for the Seattle Seahawks. He used to say, hey, look, you got to take care of your mentals. <laughs> well, you can apply that to penalties when it comes to football because you got to take care of them. All right. We'll uh, see if the Jaguars can get that going. We'll uh, hear from Doug Marone coming up in just a few minutes on the Doug Marone Show as well. Let's go around the National Football League, gentlemen, and start off with the mandate coming down this week that there will be no sideline reporters or pregame TV reporters allowed on the field in 2020. Not only that, no cheerleaders, no mascots allowed on the field either. They'll likely be in a different area of the stadium, first few rows of the stands most likely. And Tony, that's a big change certainly for you. I mean, you're on the sidelines on Thursday night. How's that going to change your role? Actually, I'm not on the sidelines Thursday night, JP. I've been in the booth for about the last four years, but thank you. I'm on the sideline for the Super Bowl, so that'll be interesting to see what they do there. Um, So it's not going to change my role at all. It will change Logs and I's prep, though, because we usually prep and do a lot of work pregame on the field, talking to players and coaches, seeing the injuries, um, guys who are game-time decisions. I know Thursday nights, especially when I I don't – spend as much time with the teams. I go down on the field before the game, interact with guys. That's not going to happen anymore. I mean, Logs and I, we're going to have to figure out what the heck we do for an hour and a half that we used to spend on the field because I don't think they're going to let us out there anymore. Yeah, that's uh, no surprise there. I mean, if you want to go ahead and protect your players, you've got to absolutely limit any kind of access to them in any way, fashion that you can. And so it just makes sense. Uh, there's a lot of other limitations that are, are going on and that have already gone on. Like, for example, like right now, us as, as broadcasters, I can have a conversation with a Josh Allen like today, but I mean, we were doing it from, you know, 10 plus feet apart, you know, and I was just saying, hey, make sure you stay there and I stay here. And, uh, but you don't want to end up getting any kind of space violations. And, and I think the league and the teams are very aware that any kind of possibility of having a player get COVID-19 from some other chance exposure, they're gonna try to eliminate as many of those possibilities as they can, and as they should. Uh, The league and the Players Association, I think, has done a great job of coming together and putting plans together and trying to make a map or, or, or some type of system to follow, and I think each team has done a pretty good job of executing it. 
because you have to try to keep the players safe. And if the games are going to be played without interruption, as we've seen baseball, there's been a lot of interruption. You've got to make sure that you do everything within your power to make sure that there is no blow up with COVID-19 in the league. Jeff, what are we going to do Tony, before my... the games now? <laughs> well, uh, I can tell you this. We're not going to be hanging around a bunch of other people in the press <laughs> box and, and eat press box food. I mean, f for me, uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm going to try to stay six feet away from you, but I guess, you know what, since you've already had it, maybe we yeah, can, you hang, can out. hang out with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So, and sorry uh, for the demotion there, Tony. I, I didn't. Yeah, don't worry. You're uh, good. You're the, the reassignment, let's say. Uh, Browns cornerback Kevin Johnson had another player land on top of him at practice yesterday. No big deal, right? Well, he went to the. No, uh, he had an abdominal injury. It, yeah, it is a big deal because they sent him to the hospital as a precaution where tests revealed that he had a laceration to his liver. Tony, what in the world? That is a crazy one. Ooh, that's a scary one um, because you start getting internal bleeding. I think it was a, a number of years ago. It was uh, Chris Sims who actually lacerated his spleen, and they didn't catch it right away, and he was, you know, could have died. Um, you said, and I remember on the Levitard show, Tony, you said you said to Chris Sims that was one of the coolest things he did playing football. <laughs> actually, to get the quote right, I said it's the only cool thing he ever did on a football field. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not very nice, but maybe true. Uh, yeah, that's a, it's one of those things. It's a freak, a freak accident or freak injury that you just can't plan for. And you don't see it very often. And uh, kudos to the medical staff and the uh, leaders in there on the medical of the medical organization to take the precautions to go the extra step, make sure the young man was safe. Because if that's something you, you miss, goes to bed at night, goes back to his room, you know, you worry, man, what happens in the morning? And so, uh, you know, thank God they caught it, and uh, hopefully it'll be okay. Let's uh, move along now. Tyreek Hill left practice early today for the Kansas City Chiefs after catching a long pass from our good friend Chad Henney. He walked to the sideline to talk to the training staff and then walked under his own power inside, did not return. Um, he's under his own power, though, Logs. That's the good sign for Kansas City. Yeah, he is, in my opinion, he's the most dynamic playmaker that there is in the league. And, uh, and, and obviously, he's a Super Bowl champ. So anything that happens to a Super Bowl champion player that is of that magnitude, it, it makes big news. You know, and it's, it's amazing to me because, you know, when I, when I saw that about Tyreek Hill, it reminded me about the story about Jalen Ramsey criticizing him a little bit because he said he was just a kick returner. Oh, I don't know about that, Jalen. I think he's a little bit more than a kick returner. Well, if I, I would agree. Right, the quote was, yeah, yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. He was a pro bowler as a kick returner. That's what he said. Um, finally, a final thought here. Alex Smith practicing with the Washington football team, competing for the gig. How real can this be, Tony? Well, I mean, listen, I give the guy credit. We talked about it Monday night. I mean, I watched him and just saw some tape of it. It still looks like he has a little bit of a drop foot. Um, we saw Jalen Smith, the Cowboys linebacker, come into the league and actually have that drop foot and played the first year or so before it all came all the way back. So there's bracing that you can use um, to handle that. I mean, that was just me visually looking at it. It was what it looked like. But it's a, 
it's a tremendous story. He almost lost his leg. Um, I give him all the credit in the world, but boy, I'd still be careful because uh, you're going to be able to protect yourself out there. Tony, we'll talk to you again next week. Logs, stick around. The Doug Marone Show is coming up. Thank you for listening and watching. This has been Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.